doings now. There's cars, hoppers, buildings, and tires that crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I I really need to leave. So the fences informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I, I see some people running now. And the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. Exciting episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, the official podcast of AquamanShrine.net and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, the infectious Rob Kelly from <laughs> Aquaman Shrine. How you doing, buddy? Uh, yes, I'm a little under the weather right now. It's uh, uh, inescapable that when one of us in the house gets sick, the other one gets sick. So, but I'm going to muscle through because that's how much I love you, Fire and Water fans. <laughs> Or he's contractually obligated, whichever you There choose. is that, yes. <laughs> I did sign a contract, and I don't want to violate it this early in the year. Right, exactly. So, all right, well, uh, so you're under the weather. I'm sorry to hear that, but we have some big, big things to talk about. Oh, this yeah. is going to be, I mean, it's definitely DC Comics themed, but it's going to be a bit of a, a geek talk episode, folks. Yep. We, we've got a smattering of various things that interest us, and we feel like chatting about, and you're unfortunately stuck listening to us. <laughs> Um, because your because your your iPhone has absolutely no other podcast to listen to. So, um, but before we do that, let's go ahead and give thanks to our sponsors. This episode of the Fire and Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to forty five percent off. Forty five percent, wow! Uh, with free shipping for orders of fifty dollars or more. I picked out a Marvel book, actually, this time I wanted to chat about. It's one I'm reading right now, myself. It is What If Classic, Volume 2. You ever used to read Marvel's What If? Oh, yeah, I love that book. Yeah, it's a hoot. It's an absolute hoot. And I, I came across a trade the other day in Books A Million. I'm like, I, I got to get this. And it's got, you know, what if Daredevil's secret was exposed and the world knew he was blind? What if Thor's identity had been passed to someone else? Um... You know, what if there's a new Hulk? What if there's lots of multiple Spider-Men? It's pretty cool. It's good stuff. It reprints issues uh, 7 through 12. It's 216 pages. You've got some Jack Kirby art in there. You've got Rick Hoberg, Bill Black, Sal Buscema, Al Kupperberg, Kupp- who, by the way, at that point was a newcomer. Uh, and got stuff written by Don Glute. And there's even some ideas from uh, Roy Thomas. 
like one of them is what if the Avengers were formed in the fifties? Oh yeah, which, that's a good one. And I, if I remember right, those those guys went on to be the heroes of Atlas, right? Uh, I think so. yes. I think you're right about that. Yeah, I think Marvel's got a book now with them as sort of an Avengers of the fifties, which is kind of funny. Anyway, normally retails for twenty four ninety nine. Now, quite honestly, I think that's overpriced. So <laughs> I, I do twenty five bucks for a trade of. Old, anyway, uh, so you could pick it up, though, thanks to the Magic 45% off discount. You can pick it up for $13.74. And if you're in the mood and you're digging that, they also have What If Classics Volume 7 uh, out there uh, if you want to pick that up. That collects, recollects some issues in the 40s as well. So I love me some What If, and uh, I just had to pimp it. Yeah, that was always a fun book. Uh, it, it's For people who don't remember that book, like too young to remember it, it that page count that you gave might be confusing because it only covers five issues of Who's Who, yet it's 216 pages. Not Who's Who. I'm, I'm sorry. I wonder why I said that. Uh, what If, because What If was double-sized. What If was a double-sized book regularly. Mm. Uh, it was I didn't realize that. Yeah, it was normally like a 48-page book. Every issue was like 40, 45 pages. That's why it's only covering six issues, but it's 216 pages. Um, anyway, uh, I'm also picking a Marvel book, uh, this, oh, really? week. Yeah, okay. this week, and it started out with, um, the 13th, the, the site 13th dimension.com, which is like a pop culture comic book site that I do some writing for. They were doing a celebration all this week on Batman, uh, the Batman TV series. Obviously there's big news. The Batman TV series is finally coming to DVD. And there were some other things that I was involved in that, was that week long celebration. And one of the other items that's coming out from IDW is, um, the collected Batman newspaper strip from the '60s, and there's a new. Oh, yeah. I, I, I didn't even know. I didn't know there was one. Yes, there was, and that's coming out. But that's not yet available yet. So that's not what I'm picking. But but that whole thing of like a collected newspaper strip led me to Instuck Trades, and they have Conan the newspaper series volume one, which collects the Conan newspaper strip. Now oh, cool. uh, I remembered there being a Conan newspaper strip, but I never knew it was ever been collected. So this is a hardcover book. It's 280 pages. It features all the strips from September 4th, 1978 through April 12th, 1981, the black and white dailies and the color Sundays. Uh, no, the normal price is $34.99. In Stock Trades has it for $19.24. Writer Roy Thomas, artist John Buscema doing Conan. Can't beat it. Um, somebody buy me this book. Just that's I'm putting it right out there. <laughs> I want this book. I'm not going to buy it for myself because you know I, I don't have that much money. Uh, so somebody please buy me this book. I want it. I want it really bad. Boy, Rob's not subtle, is he? Nope. <laughs> nope. Well, folks, you can find both of those again on In Stock Trades. It's again your best online source for trades, hardcovers, other collected editions, including the ones we just talked about, all for up to forty five percent off. And again, if you order up to fifty dollars, you can get free shipping, which is a sweet, sweet deal. So, don't miss out on that. Now, there was some pretty darn big news to break um, this week in the fire and water front, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, we, I mean, our, we should name our official third co-host now, Dan Jerkins. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's not actually here, but... Uh. No, in spirit, he's our, he's our third host. Uh, I mean, yeah, obviously the big news broke that uh, there will be a new Aquaman book, Aquaman and the Others, as we'll call it, Addo. Uh, from now on. Uh, <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> um, it's going to be written by Dan Jurgens with art by Lan Medina and Ed Tadeo. It's going to debut on April 2nd, and they've already released the cover, 
which is by the boys, uh, funnily enough. It looks very handsome. You see Aquaman leading uh, all the others flying out towards the camera. Uh, this will be the first time ever Aquaman is headlining two books simultaneously. He has been had, he's had ongoing features in two books simultaneously, but he's never headlined two books simultaneously, ongoing books. So this is huge. Um, obviously, whatever fears DC might have about Aquaman's sales in the post-Jeff Johns era, they're obviously not worried about it too much if they're starting a second title. <laughs> so I think this is a nice big vote of confidence for the character, which is, uh, you know, uh, I'm glad to see that. Well, I, th- I think it was a really good compromise to get the others out there. It was because, you know, we kept, we've been talking about another series for months, you know. Yeah, they've been hitting uh, at this for a long time. Right, and we kept thinking, we were, we were a little nervous about could it carry itself, and to do it this way, it's like, oh, oh, we should have thought of that, that's a brilliant way to go. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and I hope, I, I mentioned this on the site, I hope that, you know, Aquaman is a big part of it, you know, like Batman and the Outsiders, Batman was a big part of that book, I mean, eventually it gave way to Outsiders by themselves, but for the first several years of that title, he was the main character, with along with the other Outsiders, and I hope that's what they do here, I hope that this gives him... You know, more more story chances for more stories, and and uh, hopefully not bogged down by Atlantis stuff because he's going to be uh, off doing adventures with the outsiders. Uh, I'm the, the outsiders. I keep saying it. Yeah, I'm sorry, I, my addled brain here. Um, the outsiders. That's friggin' sweet. That would be, I, I'd read that book too. Um, it's it's better than Aquaman and the Ravers, <laughs> which, which did pass through my mind. I'm like, what else has somebody had their own series and then a spinoff with a team like I'm in the Outsiders? Ooh, Superboy and the Ravers. Mm. Yeah, let's not laugh. Uh, I'm very pleased and surprised that Dan Jurgens is the one picked to write the book. Out of all the names I had heard, my my spies tell me we're, we're on tap to write this book. Dane Jurgens was not on that list. So uh, either DC's getting better at keeping it secrets or my, uh, my tipsters are all really suck. So, uh, <laughs> but I, I would sure, I would sure it'd be Austin. Yeah, I had heard, I, he was one of the ones I had heard. I'd heard some other names, but his, his was the one I'd heard the most. So the fact that it was Dan Jurgens is a very pleasant surprise. Um, I, you know, Dan is very consistent, and I think um, he delivers in his stories a very classic. Uh, we, I mean, we, you know, we we waxed his car every month for you know what five months when he was doing Firestorm. So we'll need to get into the whole thing. I don't need to get into the whole thing now, but <laughs> I'm a fan of Dan. I've gotten, we've all had the chance for him to, to see what it's like for him writing Aquaman because uh, he wrote Aquaman for a year back in the, in the uh, early 2000, late 90s or early 2000s, whatever that was. And and he can do it well. And so, you know, I am really, really happy over this. I'm happy over that it's that he's getting another book, and I'm happy that it's Jurgens doing it. In terms of the art, uh, I'd never heard of Land Medina before this. I looked up some of his stuff on Google. Uh, he's pretty good. I, I like what I saw. I'm not as big a fan when he's inked by Ed Tadeo. Uh, and it seems like there seemed to be a team, um, but in terms of penciling, I really like the stuff that I that I saw. And Lan Medina does a lot of good girl art, a lot. So I'm expecting Yuara to probably be fairly large role in this title, and um, Venice style. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, or maybe some new members will be uh, more women and stuff. So, but uh, so yeah, sky 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 is going to grow up fast. Yeah, I think so. Um, and hopefully, Mira will appear as well. So, you know, I'm super excited. We're going to have to make room on the show for this now to have two Aquaman books to talk about. So uh, 
yeah, it's really, really good news. Well, that's not the only book where we may have to figure out a way to talk about mm. some as well. Uh, now, this isn't as new a news. This broke a little while earlier. Um, when would this have broke? This broke at the beginning of January, and I don't know if we've actually talked about it or not. There's another series uh, Mr. Jurgens is writing coming up. It's part of a, a new DC book, a weekly book called DC, or what is it called? The New 52 Futures End. This is their new weekly book for 2014. You remember they did 52 and they did Countdown and those were all weekly series? Yep. Well, they're doing another one. And this one sort of focuses on the, the history. Well, it's, it's, it's hard to encapsulate because we don't know a lot yet. But it sort of covers different time periods of the DC universe. Uh, you've got the, the, the main characters they've told us so far. It's, it's quite surprising. It's almost like when they first announced 52 and we're like, who are the main characters? Are you sure about that? You know, it's uh, it's Batman Beyond, pretty sweet, entering the official New 52. He's an officially part of continuity now, and it will be Terry McGinnis. Uh, you got Frankenstein. So so Batman Beyond's <laughs> representing. <laughs> I know I can't say it with a straight face. So Batman Beyond, Frankenstein, and Firestorm. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> the, the fans have demanded those three characters be put together. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, they, they, they couldn't resist it. So uh, the cover's been released so far. All you see is it's a Batman Beyond cover, and it looks like he's fighting OMAC versions of the Justice League. So absolutely a trip. And in this new so in this new series, I'm sorry, it was announced in December, not January. I apologize. Anyway, in the new series, Dan is writing, apparently, and there, there's a number of writers involved. You've got Jeff Lemire, Brian Azzarello, Dan. Uh, Keith Giffen and Dan Jurgens and Dan in an interview recently said he is writing currently the Firestorm parts of the book. So what we're going to have here, folks, <laughs> on the shelf at the same time is going to be Dan Jurgens writing Firestorm and Future's End and Dan Jurgens writing Aquaman uh, and Aquaman and the others. So, yeah, I, you know, Luke Dobbs suggested this. He said that Dan deserves some sort of special STEAM award. I think he just earned the Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah, yeah. I will actually have to make one, like an actual physical object and send it to him or something. Don't, don't, don't commit us to anything like that. Sorry, you, right, sorry. Unless you're willing to do the work. Um. <laughs> I'm going to learn smelting so I can make a metal and stuff. It's going to be cool. There you go. Perfect. So it's a, it's a trip. Now, this series looks to be pretty wild. They're going to be exploring the past, present, and the future. They're going to, it's going to be set five years from now so the, even though the, the current DC 52 is going to be taking will continue to move forward as a regular time period this series will jump forward five years so we're going to see Ronnie and Jason and what five years have done to them when, and in an interview what Dan was saying basically is that five years for an adult you don't change a whole lot but five years from when you're in high school here it is right here you really move from being a kid to an adult you're in college years or through college already. I'm playing around with those general concepts and what happens to these people uh, we might have seen in their high school years and what are they like five years down the road. Uh, how does it affect them in terms of whether they're not uh, – anyway, so there's a lot of questions. So we're going to have to really – that will be really interesting to see what Firestorm looks like in five years. Now, I don't know what that means for his status in the Justice League. I don't know if that means he's out of the Justice League because he's here and they don't want to give anything away. What it would be like in five years? I have no idea. But um, – Pretty pretty exciting times to be fans of fire and water characters. <laughs> I have to think that that Dan did this just so he can get back on the show. Um. Well, I mean, that would assume he's going to appear on the show. But yeah, I would think that he's, it's probably his ploy, yeah. his way of saying, "Guys, please, 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 yeah. please have me back." And you know, we're it's under consideration. I mean, I don't yeah, know. We'll I mean, have to see. We'll we'll, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, but, 
some of the artists involved with this this future's end book. Ethan Van Skyver. So by the way, Ethan Van Skyver drawing Firestorm again. Awesome. Jesus Marino, uh, Aaron Lepresti, uh, and I think Jurgens and Giffen are going to draw some too. I'm not entirely sure about that. So, uh, wow, neat stuff. Looking forward to it. Now, when does that um, book come out again? Oh, great, great question. I should have mentioned that. Yeah, Free Comic Book Day, actually. They're going to launch. They're going to give away number zero. That'll be part of Free Comic Book Day. And then uh, a week or two after that, they start with number one. And it's going to go for a full year. So, I, uh, I'm so jazzed about this. I'm trying to look here. Now, they say that it's not just going to be about those three characters. I mean, those are the three they keep talking about now. It says there's going to be a cast of about 20 when it's all said and done, but they'll rotate through four or five at a time. So I guess it's possible Firestorm may not make it all 52 weeks, Mm -hmm. but, you know, at least he's going to be in for a chunk of these. So I'm sort of envisioning, um, I mean, kind of like 52 did. I mean, they focused on a lot of different characters, and you get bits and pieces here, and you move in and out of people's lives. So I would imagine it'll be along those lines, especially if Giffen's playing a heavy role in this, because if I remember right, he was pretty involved with 52. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm refusing to remember the experience of going through Countdown and remembering the experience of going through 52, and that's how that's where <laughs> that's where my passion is for this. On a formatting level, I'm kind of and I'm kind of I'm very glad that DC has cracked that weekly nut thing because for the longest time they wanted to do weekly comics, and they tried it with Action Comics Weekly, which was by pretty much everyone's estimation a really dismal failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, financially, financially, I I, oh, I, oh. I have my I, I have a soft spot in my heart for that era of action comics, but in terms of sales, it was considered a disaster, and they and and it was blamed the fact that it was weekly. They just thought people, you know, like comic fans don't want to read, and and obviously they haven't given up on it because then they did Countdown and they did and they did all those series that that worked, and now they're doing it again. So obviously, either the audience has changed a bit, or DC has found a way to better market it. That weekly well, comics are more, uh, you know, uh, attractive to fans. They sort of did it too with Superman through the nineties, right? Having they, four they different had, books, yeah. They had four different books. Each one, one came out a week, and they had the diamond stuff going to, you know, to give you consistency. So they've they've got a history of making it work. You know, again, Superman did it, then Fifty Two Countdown, and then you know, one thing we didn't mention in that is they did two more series. Was it Trinity and oh, right, Justice? Right, right. And Justice League something. <laughs> oh, I can't remember. It was the Judd Winnick book about Justice League International. Oh, well. And the, the way that worked was they, they did every other week. So, mm-hmm. like, there was one every week, but you got 26 issues of each, I seem to recall. Right, right. So, and, and you know, um, there was varying opinion. No, Trinity was its own thing, wasn't it? I, hell, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I don't remember. I thought it was weekly. I, I could be wrong. There was... There were two things going at the same time: Justice League Generation Lost, and oh, it was a it was our book, uh, Firestorm and Aquaman. What the hell was that? Uh, Brightest Day. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, that's right. <laughs> wow, you're sick, and apparently I haven't had enough caffeine. Yeah. So. Anyway, so go to your comic pull, your comic shop, add to your pull list Aquaman and the others, which premieres in what month? Uh, April for Aquaman and the others. Yep. And as for DC, the new 52 D, uh, Futures End, that comes out in May. Get both of those on your pull list now. Beat the rush. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, a friend of mine told me that he's not going to be buying Aquaman and the others for some reason, so I said I was going to buy two to make up for him because I was going to make sure he get it. 
I've seen a few people who have said uh, some of our fans are diehard. Like when Firestorm was coming out and Dan Jurgens was writing it, there, we had a uh, Charlemagne. I want to say was buying three copies, and I've seen someone else say they're going to be buying two copies of Aquaman and the others just to support it. That's Very wow. Nice. That's really I, nice. I'm not going to do that myself, but you know, power to you. Now, something I would consider would be buying a hard copy and a digital copy. That might be something. Mm. You know? Anyway. If I really like the book and it's in terms of the age appropriateness, I will buy two and I will give one away to uh, my nephew or something like that. How old your nephew? Uh, he's fifth. Well, okay, he's fifteen. So well, if you if, if you've got a good girl artist drawing your aura, fifteen might be perfect. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you might like it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's exciting news, and you know what a coincidence that Dan is going to be doing. Both books related to our characters. That's 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 pretty remarkable. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So, I'm very excited for him. He seems really excited about it. You read the interviews and stuff. He seems pretty jazzed. Yep, yep. So uh, yeah. So anyway, next up, uh, next thing we wanted to talk about is something else I mentioned on the shrine earlier in the week, which is uh, unbeknownst to virtually everybody, <laughs> um, Warner Brothers is releasing a brand new Justice League animated movie on Tuesday. Most of you are going to hear this either on Sunday, but most uh, some of you hear it on Sunday. Most of you are hearing it on Monday. We're talking the next day, folks. If you're hearing this on the 20th, the movie comes out on the 21st. It is called JLA Adventures Trapped in Time and is an all-new original movie. It is described as featuring the classic uh, Justice League characters plus some other DC heroes in a fighting off against the Legion of Doom. Um in a 52-minute movie, it is going to be released... It is, it is 52 minutes? Yeah, it's 52 that's minutes. That's pretty... That's kind of... Is, I don't know if that's coincidence or not, but... Oh, uh, what? Oh, new 52, 52 minutes. Well, every, well, everything's 52 at DC. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, it is being released exclusively in American Target stores. Uh, and it is being put out as the term that they use is a stealth release. And what that means is... They are doing no advanced promotion for this. No commercials, no preview copies to media outlets, uh, no trailers, nothing. And, like, if you go to IMDb, which is you know has a listing for, like, movies that are coming out in 2020, there's no listing for this movie. So there's, there is no way to know anything about it until you pick up the package. And even then, who knows? It depends on what it says on the back. So you will have no way of knowing what you're getting until you buy it. Uh... It is unfathomable to me as to what the marketing idea behind this is. Um, when I mentioned it on my Facebook page, a lot of people said, well, they must know it sucks, and they're just dumping it out. And I don't buy that because uh, Warner Brothers has pushed a lot of really horrible movies on us, uh, <laughs> so they don't know what's good and what's not. You know, They put a lot of marketing muscle behind Green Lantern. Look at that. Oh, so you know, I've, I've, I've got some speculation. Okay. Um, at first, I thought the same thing. I thought, well, it must really suck. But then I sat back and thought about it, read a little more on that article, because one of the things it does say is it's an all-ages film. Right. That's right. I'm very excited about that. In in the vein – and they want to say – I want to say they, maybe it was even loosely tied into the – or at least doesn't contradict the Green Lantern animated series maybe or something like that, I want to say I read. Yeah, one of the I, guys that's working on it said in his mind it feels like it's of a piece with the Green Lantern animated series. There we go. So – I I suspect from a marketing thing, just trying to fathom it, unless they're expecting some one of two things: they're either expecting some sort of crazy buzz about it being stealth, or which I don't see how. How do you get buzz on stealth? Um, 
or they want to put it out there and just see if they can it will sell without them advertising it. Right. Wondering if there's such a dedicated following of DC animated direct to video that they could save a ton of money on promotions and commercials and all that stuff and just put it out and see if they can make as much money or not. Yeah, I got I you know, I'd never heard of this thing at all until uh, last week when Earth 2 Chris sent me an article on worldsfinestonline.com about it. They are one of like the few outlets to have anything on it from from the WB about it. And uh, I got the article while I was at work. And part of my job is dealing directly with movie studios and TV networks, like literally directing directing with them. So, and I have a guy I know at Warner Brothers. So I sent him that article. <laughs> oh, and okay. I Because I, I thought, well, maybe we could at least get the trailer, you know, for it. Uh, and uh, and um, he wrote to me and said that we're not cutting a trailer. They're not even cutting a trailer, which is astonishing because cutting a trailer costs no money. Uh, I mean a little bit, but really doesn't cost much of anything to cut a trailer. So the fact that they're not even cutting a trailer for it, it was – they are committed to this stealth release thing. Um, hmm. Now, Aquaman is is presumably in it because, as they said in the description, it's the you know the traditional Justice League that's Aquaman, and he is pictured on the sleeve, which you can see on um, AquamanShrine.net. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't know. Am I going to buy it sight unseen? I don't know. Um, one of the Shrine correspondents, Andy Luckett, uh, who has offered to review it for the Shrine. So, I think I'm going to let Andy go. Watch it first and see you know, yeah. and see what it see what it says. I'm very, I'm 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 heartened by the fact that they said it's all ages, um, yeah. because one of the things I think that these animated movies that they've been cranking out to me fail on is to me they're kind of like fish nor fowl. They're they're not for adults, but they're not for little kids. And so I I am I, I find them like who, who public enemies. Who is this appealing to? I don't I don't know who it's for. So, my 14-year-old stepson. I guess so. I, and maybe that's, you know, I'm sure if I was 14, I probably would have gone nuts for that. So, uh, but I like the idea that it's maybe younger skewing and stuff. So, yeah, I, I'm excited to see it. I, I'm worried that if it flops, the WB will just say, well, we're not going to do that again. It's like, well, yeah, because you don't let anybody know about it. <laughs> you know, like, right, right. Nobody knew it existed, you know, in this day and age. I don't know how you – also, uh, we don't know what the price point is. Uh, there's no way of knowing at the price point. I mean, is somebody going to drop fourteen ninety nine for a fifty two minute movie? I, I don't know. You know, if, but if it's like eight ninety nine, that's probably you know. I think if, you, if they can price it under ten bucks, I think a lot of people will buy it sight unseen. You know, under um, ten bucks. Yeah. What? Has DC sold anything for under ten bucks? Well, no, but this is a lot shorter. Then it's only 50, 50, 152 minutes long. It's shorter than wow. most of their animated movies. So that's what I'm thinking. May, I mean, that's that's basically the length of one episode of a TV show. Uh, would you mm. would you buy one episode of, of a TV show for for fourteen ninety nine? I don't think you would. I'm trying to think how much I paid for because I, I own a good handful of the, the direct the DVDs right. from DC, right. and I thought they were twenty twenty five. Maybe I'm imagining that. Maybe they were only fifteen. Okay. So a ten a ten dollar thing that would be a great price point. Yeah, it really if, if it was like nine ninety nine, I think you would get families, parents picking it up for their little kids without even a thought because that's just low enough. But except it'll depend. I'll I'll go to Target on Tuesday and and check it out. And I mean, I'm, you can, because you go to Target and you can find tons of stuff like that. You'll find 
Justice League packaged as three episodes, mm-hmm. or Batman, the animated right. series, packaged as three episodes. You get a bunch of those to get that low price point. Right. So, yeah, maybe so. Yeah, and, and I'm excited to hear, like, who, like, Aquaman has really been very underrepresented in these animated movies. I mean, he's been, like, a purpose, obviously we know, he was, like, purposely cut out of Justice League War. I mean, I surgically scalpeled out of that story. That uh, is so weird. Yeah. And he was not in the, the, the one where they go to Earth 3. I forget the name of that one. But, uh, I mean, he was in it a little bit, but he really – so this will – like, if he's in it a decent amount, I'll be, play, I'll be shocked. And it'll be, I'm always happy to see – always interested in hearing who the next actor is who plays Aquaman as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I, we will uh, – one of us on the Shrine will get this, and we will report back in a later episode about, uh, about how good this thing is or, or, or isn't. <laughs> I'm interested to hear because I, I'm probably not going to pick it up sight unseen. Right. So I, you know, if, if I hear it's the greatest thing, ever, I mean, it's got the Legion of Superheroes. So you know that's part of that time travel thing. Right. We know it's got the Legion of Doom. I mean, that's two pluses right there. Right. Right. So hmm, I'm interested to hear. Oh, and related to Justice League, before we get this in, uh, news just broke tonight that uh, Superman Batman movie has been pushed back an entire year. Did you just make that up? I did not make. I don't. I would never lie on the show, except about saying I like you. Uh, it's been pushed back. <laughs> or, or vibe. It's been, yeah, vibe. It's been no. It's been pushed back to May 2016. Wow. Now you know the speculation that came out of the uh, the director's or writer or whatever the, the guy's tweet. Uh, he sent a tweet a while ago. Someone said, "What's the name of this this Superman Batman sequel?" Justice and he responded, League, "Yeah, Justice League." Now. No one really knows if he's screwing around or if that's for real. At least I, the last I heard, no one knew. So, it, I mean, if that's legit, they got a lot of work to do. Yeah, I don't. You know, I, I on the you know when whenever anything is pushed back, that's usually the sign of it isn't good. You know, they know they've they've got trouble. At the same time, better to give somebody time to make it good than try and rush it out. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't all that upset when they pushed Star Wars back for six months because I'm like. You know what? If if they all realize we just cannot get this done in time to make it any good, then give them more time. You know, like I, I will be. I am. We're kind of getting off topic a little bit, but like I thought that my love of Star Wars was well. No, it was. Let me say. I think my love of Star Wars was pretty much crushed by the prequels. I mean, just just crushed. And because you know, I loved the original movies, and I read a lot of the novels, and I certainly read all the Marvel comics. And the prequels just just blew, just destroyed it. I was just like, all right, I'm sick of this universe. Forget it. And then the minute they announced the the new set of movies, it sparked right up again. And I started <laughs> getting more back into the comics. And I'm like, when they Marvel does the new Star Wars series that they're going to do, I'll get. I'll probably start buying that with the first issue. Um, so I so I am like super jazzed about these new movies, and I want them to be good. I can't. I think if I go see go see the new Abrams movie and it's terrible, that'll be it for me with Star Wars. It'll <laughs> just be it. I was like, all right, I'm done forever. So I want it to be really good. So if they need more time, then they need more time. And same thing with Superman and Batman. If they realize to really make this a good movie, they need a, they need more time. Then then good. You know, they're, they're losing out on a potentially a lot of money by, by moving it a year. So I think that might be a good thing. Well, the interesting thing, I guess part of the difference there is like the Star Wars thing got announced, the pushback, like so early in the process that I don't think there was anything to really sneer at. It's like, oh, they realized the scope of the project. Okay. Whereas Superman and Batman, like 
they've been there's been casting announcements. You know, I feel like Superman Batman's further along than Star Wars, which may not be true at all. But I feel like it is just from the announcements that have come out. So that one just, you know, to me sets up a red flag, but I don't know. With Star Wars, uh, I'm not a prequel hater, but I'm not a prequel lover either. Uh, But I've noticed my Star Wars passion has sort of picked up quite a bit lately. I actually picked up a bunch of the uh, Brian Wood issues of by Dark Horse recently. And uh, I haven't... I haven't read them yet. They're in a stack, and it's like they're they're staring at me, and I'm like, "Ooh, I really want to do that." And I haven't done it yet, but uh, I haven't read them yet. But it's, I'm, I'm I'm getting closer and closer. <laughs> they're in the house. They're in the house. I mean, that counts, right? <laughs> yeah. All right, getting, pulling us back on topic. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're talking about Justice League. We've talked about the Justice League animated movie. Uh, something else. Just news just broke. Remember a while back we talked about Jeff Lemire um, was going to end. The well, not him specifically, but they were going to end Justice League of America, and they were going to new series was going to be rebranded uh, Justice League Canada. <laughs> and I think we had a few jokes at their expense. I mean, I think Siskoid was scheduled to be on the team, um, <laughs> but in there because of this, according to them, because the scope of the book is so much bigger, they have renamed the book Justice League United. I think it's probably they finally just heard enough bad things about, really? You know, Just League Canada, that's all you got? So, anyway, they'll still take, they'll still be based out of Canada, but it'll be a much more bigger scope. They'll be dealing with things internationally, inter- interstellarly as well. So, Jeff Lemire's writing the book. Uh, Mike McCone's doing the art, which is pretty sweet. He's a great artist. It's scheduled to come out in April. Now, here's your team lineup. Uh, a lot of no surprises, but there's a few of like, huh? release in there so again remember this is this is really the next step for the justice league of america book so you get a lot of the same team members for example from justice league of america continuing to justice league canada as i like to call it you're getting martian manhunter hawkman green arrow star girl again no real big surprises there although it's still pretty cool to, it's still sort of fresh to me to have star girl on the team i think that's cool anyway joining them in this new endeavor is supergirl I don't know if she's ever been... Oh, she was part of uh, James Robinson's Justice League, wasn't she? Yeah, okay. I believe so. Supergirl, Adam Strange. Cool, I like that. And his wife. Okay. Apparently, they're, they're, they're fiddling with his origin for New 52. He is not going to be quite the swashbuckler that he's always been. Hmm. I get the sense that maybe his wife's a bit of a swashbuckler, though. Okay. But they'll still, they'll still go back and forth to, rain, to Ron, I guess. Or Rain? Rain? Ron? Ran. Ron. Ran. I always thought it was Ran. I always thought it was Ran. Yeah, it is. I just couldn't get her out right. And then, I thought this was pretty surprising, Animal Man. Well, Jeff Lemire. Right, but just, I love that character so much. I want to see it. And for me, honestly, the Jeff Lemire Animal Man book, I finally dropped it just because it got too weird for me. Mm -hmm. Like, I love Animal Man, but I want to see him in, I don't know, not straightforward superhero adventures, but not, like, as off the wall as I was getting. And so... I'm excited to see him in a superhero adventure setting because I love Buddy. We, I think we've talked before how much I, everyone likes Buddy. So, and then they're he's uh, they haven't told us who yet, but he's going to create a new character to join the team. It's um, I, they're called First Nations, is what they're called. But uh, if I'm reading this right, and if I've offended somebody, I apologize. You know, here in the United States, uh, we have we refer to the the Native Americans. Well, I guess in Canada, the the original. Populate, indig, indigenous population of Canada, they call them First Nations Canadians. Ah, I, something didn't, that. I didn't know that. I, 
Me either. I'm, I'm still figuring this out from the article. So if, if I'm offending anyone, Siskoid, help me out here. If, I, if I'm, you know, I apologize. That's not my intention. I'm just uneducated. I'm a stupid American. So there will be a character from the First Nation that they're creating, that he's done a lot of research on that culture, and they're going to introduce them to be part of the team. So I thought that was kind of cool. Hmm. So as long as it's not Major Maple or something like that. <laughs> so I'm actually interested in this book. I get the Justice League of America book, but I am, I'm sort of, I'm not terribly invested in it. Even though I love a lot of the characters, I mean, Star Girl's pretty cool, um, you know, and a lot of the other characters in there I, I, I'm passionate about. But the book just hasn't really been knocking out of the park. So I'm looking forward to this. Lemire's a great writer, mm-hmm. so uh, I, I think this. I'm, cool. I'm, I'm excited. Now, when so. does that start? Starts in April. April. Oh boy, it could be a busy month. Okay. Well, it, we're hearing all these announcements because that they're getting ready to do the April previews. Is what it right, is. Right. Yeah. 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 It's <laughs> so all this is coming out right now. So. All right. Uh, next up, I have a unusual topic I wanted to bring up. And for lack of a better term, I would call this segment how we could make DC some money. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. They're a company. They're a for-profit company. They're out there to make revenue. So I have some ideas, and I wanted to see if you had any ideas as well, on ways for DC to make money off old-school fans of DC companies. There's a whole bunch of people that – used to read DC Comics that don't anymore. There's a lot of people who walked away when the New 52 started. There's a lot of people out there who just, for whatever reason, still read comics but just don't, you know, they're reading something else. Anyway, I think, personally, there's money to be made by fans of the old DC comics. And I don't, I'm not just earmarking one particular era. I mean the whole shebang. Perfect example, Batman 66. Right. Boom. Series is doing great. Now, it's a much bigger populace because it was a television series, not a comic, but it's showing you that there's an appeal to some of DC's nostalgic past. So what if they were to do things like – we talked about this a little on the last week's Who's Who episode. We talked about the retroactive books. That, that's what really sparked this whole thinking about it. The retroactive books, as far as I understood from retailers, and I talked to a few, they said they were very successful for them. They did very well. And I think that's something they could do on an annual basis. And make a crap, lo- you know, make a bunch of money. Half the book was a friggin' reprint, so it didn't cost them that much. Right. The other, the other half, they brought back old creators that they probably don't have to pay modern day rates. I would assume. Uh, I you think, know, but I bet you have to pay everybody nearly the same rates. Okay, fine, but you pay you pay them for a you know anywhere from a twenty two page story. It's not like you have to pay them for a whole ongoing. You're just paying them for a one shot, and you do it once a year, and you're gonna you're gonna make money off the people that have walked away. You sell a you know, I don't know if you get someone like Neil Adams, but if you get Neil Adams to do a, a 70s version of Batman, I don't know. You get John Byrne to do a, an 80s era Superman. You know, it's there's money to be made in those books, and I think it. I think that's one way they could make some money. I have another idea that you already know what I'm going to say, but do you, have you given any thought to this? Have, yeah, that I, topic that I dropped on you an hour well, ago. No, <laughs> well, no, actually, I have because you mentioned it when we recorded last week. I think during Who's Who show, you brought up the retroactive books, or maybe it was the previous episode of Fire and Water. And I thought about that, and I thought that's interesting because, yeah, why why do universes like companies like DC and Marvel does this too? I don't know if it quite as much, but why are they? Why not publish several different books? Of your different, of your most popular characters, appealing to different audiences. Why are you trying to jam everybody into this one? No, no, no. It's no. It's New Fifty Two now. Why? Why? Why do it that way? I mean, why not have? 
I mean, after the Batman 66 thing came out, people said, well, why isn't there a 1950s Adventures of Superman style comic? Why isn't there a 70s style Wonder Woman TV show comic? Yeah, why not? I mean, why not do right. that? And so, yeah, I mean, if, if, uh, if, I mean, it, it, a lot of this is with the creators, but like, you know, if DC went on, went out and hired Jerry Conway and George Perez to do Justice League, a, a Justice League book, hells yeah, I would buy that. <laughs> you know I, mean? I mean, so yeah, I mean, like, why, why make everyone sort of fit through this bottleneck of like, no, 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 this is the versions we're trying to sell now. Why not just sell every version that's out there? Why not? Why not do a 40s Superman comic? You know, that, so after you had said that, I, I, I mulled over, I was like, yeah, that's actually a really good idea. And, and you could, and that way, if different people come into a comic book store, although most people don't, but if they did, there right. were, there were several different versions of a character that everyone knows that might appeal to them. Exactly. You know? So yeah, now, I think that's a cool idea. You know what the interesting thing is? Without us really thinking about it, they're already doing this. And yet they still hang their hat on, no, the new 52 is what it is now. You know, this is where everything is now. But the truth is they've got their Earth-1 trade paperbacks, which are not part of the new 52. Right. Um, this one's a little loose. Earth-2, there is an Earth-2 series. It's still part of the new 52 technically, but it's an alternate world. You've got their new series they started not too long ago, Adventures of Superman. Right. It's, right. it's sort of like a Legends of the Dark Knight series. Right. And Superman's wearing red trunks right on the cover. Right. You know? Batman Little Gotham. Yes. Yep. Yep. We mentioned Batman 66. The Batman Beyond Universe book they do that's digital first and then they print a copy. You know, there was a, the anime version of the characters that they were publishing not too long ago. With the, the girl, anime girls? Yeah, the anime Comey girls, yeah. Yeah. There's Injustice. You know, these are based on existing media. Injustice, Smallville, Beware the Batman and Arrow. But there's four more iterations. Now they're all co contemporary releases. But still, DC's already publishing a multiverse of books. Why, like you said, why would it hurt to have a Jerry Conway, George Perez, Bailey book on the shelf? Right. Who cares? Now, I had an idea for another one. And this is what spurred my uh, part of part of my my in stock trade choice. Uh, basically, uh, a DC who's who. Now I know that they had their Elseworld series, but if you look at the Elseworld history, almost every single one was friggin' Batman or Superman. Right? They, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or someone from the Batman Superman family. Like almost never did they do anybody else. But think about if they were to do something like a What If series, and it could be that same sort of thing, that same sort of. Uh, Almost like a retroactive concept, but you know, they could do a what if storyline that took place in the in the pre New Fifty Two continuity, and it doesn't have to be this is what happened after you know Flashpoint, but it could just be you know what I don't know what what if Superman hadn't come back from the dead, what if Azrael had stayed Batman, you know if they're so focused on Superman Batman, what if Booster Gold had married Blue Beetle, I don't care. <laughs> whatever. You know, do some, do something, make, because again, we'll buy it. You'll also get the people that walked away that missed the old universe or missed some aspect of, of the old DC comics. And so, you know, just putting this stuff out there. For what you, if DC. Aquaman's it, son had never died? Yeah, yeah, exactly. What if, what if there were two fires? Or what if Ronnie and Jason both existed at the same time? Well, I guess they kind of did with New 52. <laughs> anyway, I was, I was reaching. Boy, they are <laughs> really pinpoint marketing these stories for you, Shaq, apparently. They really. What if Blue Devil and Doctor Fate were on a superhero team together? <laughs> so, what if the Blue? Dor like, what if, oh, what if Blue Blue Devil and 
and Dr. Fate were the blue and the gold. <laughs> what if Doreen Day fell off a building <laughs> onto a pile of broken glass? <laughs> Hooray! Anyway, no, it's a new leaf, new year. So, anyway, so I just, these are some things that are going through my head on uh, ways. It, and the point of this topic was not to be, boo, DC, you're not doing this. It's supposed to be more of, hey, DC, you could be doing this mm-hmm. and making a lot of money. So I know Jeff Johns listens to our show. And so does Dan DiDio. So hopefully they'll take these ideas to heart. And, uh, you know, I'm expecting to see some retroactive books around Christmas time. Just saying. Oh, here the other thing I forgot to say is they're publishing trade paperbacks of previous eras all the time. Right, yeah. So it's not like they're, pretend, you know, just shuffling them off into the dustbin of history. Yeah, they're, they're making right. money off of them. Now, admittedly, those are reprints, so they're a little cheaper than new material. But still, I mean, it's, there's money to be made here. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right. Uh, up next is the much demanded, <laughs> much anticipated segment. Here we go. Drum roll. Take it away, Mr. Kelly. Yes, this is the segment called Tales from the Cupid School. Uh, many of you have asked for such a segment. Uh, you could be thankful that I'm not going to do the title. I'm going to run it through a real reverb thing, so it sounds like that creepy Superman thing that Bailey likes to run on his show. I'm just going to say it normal. <laughs> <laughs> it puts lotion on its skin. Uh, no, this is just God. Tales, Tales from the Cupid School. This will be our first installment of a very irregular feature, uh, probably short-lived because for those of you who don't know, and that's most of you, the Joe Cupid School was and is in the little burg of Dover, New Jersey. And I lived there for three years. There ain't much going on in that town. And um, <laughs> on top of it, during my years there, uh, I was not 21 until after I'd already graduated from Cupid, so I wasn't like I could go out and have a lot of crazy drunken adventures, uh, at least legally, uh, while I was there. So, you know, and even out of, you know, you're talking about a group of comic book fans, so it's not a really party-hardy bunch, and even within that small group, I was even less of a party guy than the normal crew. So, there aren't a lot of... Didn't you guys have that laser beam from space point down at the house with the giant popcorn thing, and it popped, and all the popcorn came flying out the windows that was you guys right yeah that was us yeah absolutely uh we yeah we've got kelly mcgillis and stuff it was fantastic um (laughs) so uh not kelly mcgillis the other one from weird science whatever anyway this is the first segment this is just a story i've told this story before but never on the show so i think it would be sort of funny to mention just some of the some of the fun things that happened while i was there um this one centers on the artist known as tex blazedell now shag are you familiar with him at all Tex Blaisdell? I am not. Okay. Tex Blaisdell, I'm going to read you a little bit from his his, um, Wikipedia page. uh, Philip Eustace Blaisdell, otherwise known as Tex Blaisdell, was an American comic strip artist and comic book editor. He worked on 22 syndicated features, including Little Orphan Annie, which he drew for over five years. Um, uh, He took over for um, uh, Harold Gray in 1968, drawing Little Orphan Annie. And he also worked on a strip called Mary Perkins on Stage. He worked on strips alongside people like Al Cap, Stan Drake, Will Eisner, Erwin Hasen, John Cullen Murphy, Bud Sagendorf, and others. He also helped Hal Foster on Prince Valiant. Um, he, Didn't we just talk about a guy last week that worked on Mary Perkins and, and, and Lil' Ann? Yeah, Ann? Leonard Starr. Oh, okay. Leonard Starr. Um, Tex also worked at DC Comics doing ink. Uh, he was anchor. Uh, he did worked on the Joker series, that brief lived Joker series in the seventies. But he worked on books like <laughs> Green Lantern, Adam Strange, Superman, Flash, and Batman. 
and he was a legendary figure. Imagine uh, a uh, what you would imagine like a um a, 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 an old timey prospector. That's what Tex looked like. Uh, oh wow! You know, that kind of yeah. He didn't talk like this, but he had that kind of yeah, yeah, gold, there's gold, and then now here, you know, he kind of looked like that. he didn't. <laughs> He talks like Luke Jackanetti? No, he didn't talk. No, he didn't. He looked like Luke Jackanetti. He didn't talk like him. No, the way our impression of Tex yes. at the time uh, was. St- Stinky Pete. Hmm? Stinky Pete from Toy Story 2. Anyway. Right. Yeah, okay. Don't get me distracted, please. So uh, <laughs> our our impression of Tex was was something like, hello, guys. That was how we talked to like Tex. Now, Tex didn't really didn't sound like that, but that was the accepted impersonation. <laughs> And Tex was known – Tex came to us as somebody who didn't bullshit around and his whole life. And if you uh, – he was always very polite. Like if you didn't if you didn't think you did a good job, he would tell you. But he was so nice about it that you everybody, everybody loved him. But he came with a reputation of someone who kind of partied a lot in his life, drank a lot in his life. Um, there were stories that we had heard about that he had sort of – uh, at times, uh, abused some students <laughs> when he got a little too drunk. Um, oh my god! Yeah, not in a bad way, but in a funny sort of terror slash terrifying way. Uh, <laughs> one time, his daughter, um, uh, where's his daughter's name? I see it here. Uh, uh, Barbara. She came to pick him up uh, to just before the Christmas holiday, and she sort of beguiling us in stories about texts, like the time for Christmas. She came downstairs to find her father and Wally Wood outside in the snow having a contest to see who could pee the furthest. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Wally Wood had a bit of a substance abuse problem. Yeah, they, well, I'm sure. They, yeah, I'm just, you know, so that's a whole show by itself is Wally Wood and Tex drinking over Christmas Eve. <laughs> anyway, uh, Tex only taught – by the time I got there in 1989, Tex only taught on Thursdays and Fridays. So, And he didn't live in town. So he would come uh, on Thursdays, and he would – he stayed overnight at our house, which was called the Clinton House, which was one of the three dilapidated uh, House of Mystery-esque buildings that the Kubert School uh, had for the students. And so he stayed with us. Did, did, did Kane or Abel live with you? <laughs> I wish they had. Uh, it was mostly moldy pizza boxes. But anyway, he stayed with us <laughs> on Thursday nights. And there was a the, – the basement was converted into an actual like apartment type thing and that's where Tech stayed on Thursday nights. And then he would teach on Friday and go home for whatever else he did after that. And we always loved Tex. And, and so uh, on Thursday nights after school, he would sit at the kitchen table. And he always had a lap board working on some project and he would just tell us stories. Hmm. And this was stories that like only the guys that lived in the Clinton house got to hear. So it's like, you know, we're, we're walking into the kitchen to go get a snack, and there's Tex with his cigarettes and his yogurt and his lap board, you know, you know, whatever. And he talked about how one time uh, he, he took a last-minute gig for Marvel Comics, and, and uh, you know, they were like, Tex, the, the, the artist screwed up, and we need you to do this job. And he was like, yeah, all right, I'll do it. And he's like, what's the book? And they wouldn't tell him <laughs> until they sent him the pages. And when he got the pages, he realized it was the character Jack of Hearts. Which, if you've ever seen, that costume is impossible to draw because it's – Yeah. And he, he literally told the guys to go F themselves because <laughs> he was like, I want more money if I have to do Jack of Hearts. So he would tell us all sorts of stories like that. And anyway, I'm beating around the bush. The, the story I wanted to get to was this. At the time – at one point, he was doing background inking for Justice League America Annual Number 4. 
which was subtitled Justice League Antarctica because it features all the oh! you know that yeah you know obviously you know that story yes yes he was, many many of our listeners do yeah he was doing background inking on that book which basically means for those of you again who don't know. Um, he wasn't inking figures. He's doing buildings. He's doing all the little stuff. Basically, it's it's something you do to get the book out if it's behind, uh, because you don't want the main inker, who in this case I think was Bob Smith, getting bogged down in all the details. So you hire another guy to finish the panels while he's, you know, the main inker is finishing the figures. So Tex was doing backgrounds. So one evening I go into the kitchen to get whatever it is I was getting. And he's like, hey, doing, Robert? I'm like, hey, Tex, how you doing? And we're just BSing around. And he's working on a page. He's got his bottle of ink and his croquil pen. And he's and he goes, hey, Robert. He's like, I got to take a piss. Do you want to finish this panel for me? No. And this is, I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah. And, and I'm absolutely terrified because I've never touched a comic book page before this. A real-life comic book page? Never. And he's like, oh, yeah. And he sits me down and he puts a lap board in front of me and he shows me the panel that he wants me to ink. And he's like, yeah, just follow the lines. It's real easy. Uh, you know. And I had used Coco pens at this point because I had been at school. So he's like, just sit there and just, just, just polish this off on me while I take a piss. No problem. All right. So and then he ambles off into the bathroom. And I, I sat there and worked on the panel. And I was absolutely terrified. You know, absolutely terrified because I just didn't want to screw it up. You know, right. I didn't want the ink to blob out or something. So I, I drew a couple of lines of some stuff in the snow and, and did, I don't know, probably like five or six lines. And then he came back out and he's like, hey, it looks great. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. You know, and he like patted me on the back and he sent me on my way. And it it was printed. It got printed. And I was going to say, I, I own a comic book that you drew. Yeah, well, all right. Let's not, yeah. But, I mean, and so um, I that was my first experience at a live, you know, real-life comic book page. And we will post the page on the Tumblr because I'm looking at it right here as I'm talking. It's page 22. And uh, we'll, we'll post it on the page. Obviously, you, you know, it doesn't look any different than anything else. But it was something where... I learned in that moment that, you know, comic books were just done by real people. You know, just real, you know, I mean, it wasn't, they were not magic. It wasn't magic. It was, yeah, well, I mean, before then, it seemed like it was. But here was this guy in my kitchen with his yogurt and his cigarettes just sitting there banging it out. And, like, in that little moment, he taught me to, like, relax. It's okay. It's not that big, you know, you're just, nothing's, nothing's, nothing's unfixable. And, you know, like, I never forgot him for that. And then in 1999, when he passed away, um, uh, I – this was back when the Comic Buyer's Guide was still a thing. I wrote a, a letter to the Comic Buyer's Guide about Tex passing away because I thought that it might be not mentioned much in the comic book media because he was not a name that anybody knew at that point. And so I wrote a letter, and they printed it. They printed it mm -hmm. in the Comic Book Buyer's Guide. And so that memorial to Tech – and I tell that story in the letter. Uh, and so we printed it. So I felt like I got to like eulogize texts in print for people to see. So that always meant a lot to me. And, and so um, it's great. I actually have a picture of me and my Ace Kilroy co-creator, Dan O'Connor, and another one of our students, Sean – his name is Sean Murphy um, – standing behind Tex. And we, we captioned it. 
the Jedi and the three young apprentices or something. Aww. And so I, if I can find that picture, I probably have it scanned somewhere. We'll put that on the Facebook page as well. So uh, that is my first official Tales from the Cupid School. That was amazing, sir. Absolutely amazing. Now, you've really set the bar high for future stories. <laughs> I hope you've got another really good one in your pocket. I do, have awesome. a, I do have a couple other good ones. I do Not not many. Like I said, this will be a short-lived feature, but I do have a couple of good ones. That was awesome. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm digging up my issue of Just League, of, of Just League America, Angel number three right now while we're talking. Number four. Gotta, number four. It's number four. Oh, it's number four. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, wow. All right. Well, you know, on a, on a pseudo-related note um, – there's, there was an anchor named Carl Story. Oh, sure. That he used to ink, um, was it Adam Hughes he would ink? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Adam Hughes used to law, draw a lot of the covers of the Justice League of America, or Justice League of America type stuff. And I'll have to dig up which one it was. I don't really remember. But he was doing one of the, remember, you remember they all had those shots. In fact, the Antarctica one had the same sort of shot where it was just the team and they're all supposed to be looking at the camera. Basically almost like a spoof on the very first Justice yeah, League. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, the Antarctica, they're all facing backwards. But anyway, it was one of those covers. I don't remember whether it was just, I think it might have been just like quarterly number one. I don't remember, because, you know, they had a lot of them. Anyway, Carl Story was inking one of them. And at the very top, where all the heroes were, he drew the joke, or uh, Hughes had drawn the Joker. Okay. And and Carl was showing it to, because Carl used to shop at our comic book shop. I'm terribly oh, sorry. Oh, okay. All right, yeah. all right, okay. Yeah. And uh, it was actually when I was a customer, but my friend worked there, and then I eventually ended up working there. But uh, he was showing the cover. And the pencil cover, and it had the Joker's head up there, and he was saying, he had a word balloon that said something to the effect of, like, ha, you're never going to see me, because the logo goes right there. Okay. So that was just some of the fun that I thought, and it kind of <laughs> showed you that the artists had fun doing these books that we never even knew about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's all sorts so. of stories about this. <laughs> well, I am I am desperately looking forward to more Tales from the Cupid School. Yeah. So just just for the people at home, are just for clarification, are we or are we not going to get Bart Sears and his adventures in nudity. Not for me because I didn't have Bart as a teacher, so it is not really up to me to tell those stories. But I will talk to those who did have him and see if we can get some stories like that. Fair enough. I'm only going to tell stories that I experienced firsthand. That's great. That that works good. So, <laughs> all right. Well, folks, uh, I hope you've enjoyed this bit of offbeat episode of the Fire and Water Podcast. We've got on the horizon, uh, we do have a listener feedback episode in the works that we're working on. We've got a, a few other projects cooking uh, that should be coming your way soon. And, um, yeah, that's all I'm really going to say. I don't want to say any more on that, actually. So, Rob, tell them where they can find the Tumblr. Uh, it's fireandwaterpodcast.tumblr.com, and the email address is firewaterpodcast.comcast.net. Remember, check that Tumblr. You can see a page from Justice League of America, Justice League America Annual Number Four, penciled by or inked by none other than our own <laughs> Mr. Bob <laughs> Kelly. So. Now your name's not on the cover. That's weird. I don't, I don't understand why. Sons anyway. of bitches. <laughs> So you can find Mr. Kelly, uh, artist extraordinaire from DC Comics. You can find him at AquamanShrine.net. You can find him on Facebook and Twitter under the same handle. You can find me at FirestormFan.com. Also on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Instagram, and Tumblr. And with that, folks, uh, fan the flame and ride the wave. Good night, folks. Oh, let me do it like text. Good night, folks. <laughs>
even torch their hair Stand for truth and justice And see on land and air Firestorm and Aquaman They make a super pair Aquaman and Firestorm Super friends forever Yeah! Has a very good question. Would you ask it? Uh, yes, uh, Mr. Blazel, is it true that the, uh, the the writer is anonymous? Uh, not to me. He just doesn't want me to mention his name. I see. Uh, For any reason? Uh, he prefers to remain anonymous. Thank you. He's paying alimony. Yeah. Uh, earlier, it's a, it's a early, structure. <laughs> earlier, we saw one of the very first sequences of Harold Gray's Little Orphan Annie. We also saw one of his later versions which showed that Annie's eyes had developed pupils. So I think it's only fair to see just what Tex is currently doing with Annie. So Tex, would you please come front center and show us an example of your work, if you would, please. We'll watch this. There, I see hair. I saw hair. Yes. Oh, Calcutta's good, too. Yes. Terrible. Terrible. Here come the eyes. No? No, it's not the eyes. Here. <laughs> there we go. One, two, and three. There she is. I think she's cute. She's adorable. This is a very unusual. This is a very unusual work. Thank you, Tex. Thank you, Tex Blaisdell and Impostors, for playing to tell the truth. Thank you.